0: (laughs) (laughs) This is really creepy This is the song you play in your van When you're driving through the school neighborhoods (laughs) Oh (laughs) Gary I got candy (laughs) And champion DVDs Oh shut up Welcome back to The
1: Gentleman's Dojo To my left from Detroit, Michigan
0: Yes. That's, you say Oh, I, I forgot your Come name. Come on. Gary Cannon.
1: Sure. Yeah. Is that it?
0: It is. I just never C- see it on A- any
1: comedy club A- banners, marquees? posters, marquees, sure. ever. Any bulletins, emails, uh, nothing. I well, don't your wife
0: it. said she never sees it on any checks paid to the order of Steve Byrne. Anywho.
1: Uh, I'm from song. Pittsburgh, Must Pennsylvania. My name's Steve song. Byrne. Well, I thought it was very apt because we have... A good friend, Mike Murphy, who's yeah. a political consultant on Meet the Press, and this is a song that
0: we don't get very political on this show. We don't Steve. get no. political at
1: all. But John Kennedy no. used this song during his campaign yep. in Sinatra.
0: We're not got a very, backjack. We're not a very political show. We don't go that way. No. We like to keep it light and airy. But this political season is pretty crazy. It's beyond crazy. And funny. Crazy. So we figured that we should talk about it. Now, I do know this because you and I talk, obviously, off-air occasionally when you allow me to. And, oh, uh, there we go. I think the last big thing that you voted for was Geraldo on Dancing with the Stars. Was that your last big vote? Because you're not a big voter. Nothing. You got nothing on that one. Aaron Edit 140. <laughs> 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 we'll just sniff that shit right out. Awful joke.
1: <laughs> we were just in Portland, oh, yeah. Oregon. Uh yeah. Great weekend. Thanks Good to everybody time. that came out again. Portland yes. was awesome. Each night, each night we yep. finished the shows. Uh, about two blocks down, there is a, it's like an abandoned lot that right. they must have turned into this food court with food trucks. Yeah. So you walk in and to your left there is Pyro Pizza, which is a cold break oven pizza place, uh potato champion, <laughs> which is a fresh cut fry place with all kinds of sauces, right. crepes, Egyptian, chicken. rotisserie chicken. There's everything. Everything. Everything is in this thing. And the first night we went in, we treated it like like a sampler platter, but yeah. we we're ordering meals and we from every stand and found our favorites, which was Potato Champion and Pyro Pizza. And the Crepe Place. And the Crepe Place. So. Yeah.
0: Each I mean, night. literally, it was so funny, we we, <laughs> we would stand in the middle of the food court, and we would just hear our names being called from eight different areas. Gary, <laughs> yeah. Steve, Gary, like it, it, like everybody was handing us our stuff. People
1: were like, who are these pigs that yeah. are ordered from every-? But, But each night, we were like, all right, we did it, we can't do that again, because we overindulged.
0: yeah, yeah. But we were surprised, too, because when we first got to Portland on Thursday, we were told by multiple people that that place sizzle pie was so good. Oh, the worst. Everybody was just stroking that place off as if they had some ownership into it. And we go over there, and it literally looked like four-day-old Sabaro pizza that you would see at the mall. I mean, literally just looked so awful, and the attitude there was just so ridiculous. Like they were (sighs) doing you this big favor. And I've literally had better— Frozen DiGiorno than I have at that place. It was really, although the place connected to it with the biscuit place was really, really good.
1: Uh, Pine Street Biscuits. Yeah, w- wonderful. Fantastic. That was really, really good. Really good. Worth the wait. Yes, you had to wait. There's yeah, always yeah. a line.
0: Yeah, but I do remember. I literally remember that final night that we were in Portland on on that Saturday where we were bringing the food back to the hotel room and we each were holding like four different <laughs> boxes. One had the pizza in it. One had the french fries, yeah. one had the crepe. I mean, it was just, it looked so ridiculously we
1: But we're, that was the last night, too, we're like, we can't do that again, yeah. and then we that was our worst night. We got breadsticks, each a pizza, a large gravy, gravy fry, not just a fry, gravy fry, and then each a crepe with like, Nutella yeah. and strawberries, but and it here, was just like, it was like we had just gotten divorced, and we're like, you know what, fuck him, yeah. fuck him. But, fuck he, him. but
0: here, here's the problem, <laughs> the problem was, a few days before that, before you got to Portland, you went to your doctor, for a complete physical right they went through all of your levels took all of your blood tests and everything came back perfectly
1: yeah my cholesterol was right. lower than average which you know knowing my diet it was like there's no way lady there's no way you gotta right. run it again but right. uh a fit is a fiddle and i was just like all right i guess i can eat worse than i've already right. been eating and i've already been eating like an eighth grader so
0: so you almost needed a little incentive somebody should have told you that your levels were through the roof and maybe you would have pulled it back a little bit this weekend. But there was no... I I really thought after your blood work, you would have needed like the Lipitor (laughs) and the the different uh, blood level medications. But instead it it
1: turned into like a quinceañera for my tummy. It was so crazy. Um,
0: We had a great time, but yeah, thanks to the folks at helium they helium took great care of us. and then this
1: weekend we're going off to New York City yeah There'll be a Gotham comedy Club Friday and Saturday the 29th and 30th um, and Gotham is literally one of my favorite clubs in the country yeah. always great to be back in New York City so we will be there um today we're really excited about this I'm very excited about this when I was working on the pilot for Sullivan and Son with the great showrunner Rob Long who also From Cheers. From Cheers, who does uh, a lot of stuff now lately on Red Eye, which is nice to see. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough to get to work with this next gentleman, and then over the last few years, I've really been. <laughs> I I think I took for granted the fact that he was on our set, and I I would have probably irritated him to no end, but. He's constantly on Meet the Press. He's a GOP consultant, and he was kind enough to come in during our pilot of Sullivan & Son and help us work out some kinks, and couldn't be happier to have him today. Join us here on the dojo, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mike Murphy, everybody.
2: Mike Murphy! Mike, how you doing? Hello! Hey, great to be here, Steve. Good to talk to you.
1: I cannot thank you enough for, A, back in the day, taking the time to help us out with our show, but then, B, to take time today, because this has got to be—is it not (laughs) the— Is it not like the craziest political season in your tenure since being involved in, in politics? Have you seen anything quite like this before?
2: No, it's an absolute train wreck. <laughs> um, I, I, I've seen it. Hell, I've caused some train wrecks. You know, I'm no, <laughs> no uh, stranger to the train wheel rolling by me after the fireball, but um, <laughs> this thing is something else. We, we have a candidate on the Democratic side with Hillary that nobody trusts. And over on the Republican side, we've got two different versions of landslide defeat. Um, (laughs) And so fighting a Stalingrad to go lose to Hillary. Um, And I kind of write off Bernie because he's captured the heart of the uh democratic party but not the delegates <laughs> and right. it's, uh, they call it practical politics for a reason so yeah a complete trend over in china i think the chinese central bankers don't know where to laugh because we're we're putting such a weak team in the field or cry because we own so much money
0: <laughs> yeah well it's it's interesting mike because steve and i were talking about this and we said you know it's so funny what does hillary think When she is so disliked that people are considering Trump as a possible candidate. I mean, it's not, that's the reason I assume people are considering him is because she is not trusted by any means.
2: Yeah, no, I agreed. I think she, you know, there's a, a little bit of a need often in politicians for the love of strangers, and uh, I don't think she's feeling the love. So she looks at Trump doing the adoring rallies and Bernie doing the adoring rallies and probably, well, she goes out and tries to do her own adoring rallies, and she shouts. That's her method of communication, which hurts. Uh, right. But the truth is, if you look at the numbers, she's the one, she is in the catbird seat. It reminds me of some of the Latin American elections we used to do where the slogan was, you know, law, order, liberty, one out of three ain't bad, amigo. Right. Um, (laughs) You know, because they knew how it was going to turn out. The generalist's was going to win. And, you know, maybe something will happen with the Justice Department. But I think right now in his repub, I'm not at all happy to say it. She's she's heading for the White House.
1: Why has, you know, the one thing I continually here on the road and just as us as comics and you know i have a little spat where i talk politics and in, in my thing just about this field why is it that there just doesn't seem to be a knight in shining armor on either side this year where it just seems like nobody's happy how has it come to this where in a country of 320 million plus that You know the thing I continually hear is these are the ones we got. This is is the best we get. Why did it? Why did it distill to this?
2: That's the question, and I my best answer would be it's it's about the incentives because you know we have this primary nominating process where relatively few people vote. About 128 million people are probably going to vote in the general election, and last year only 19 million people. Excuse me, four years ago, 19 million people voted in the Republican primaries. So the incentives to win in a Republican primary full of, you know, right wing kooks like me is to do stuff that doesn't make you that appealing when you get to the general election with real people. And over on the Democratic side, it's the same deal. You know, they're mostly liberal activists. That's why they fall in love with Bernie. I mean, he reminds me of my crazy uncle Carl yelling at the Thanksgiving table about the the banks. But then you look at Hillary and, and people a year ago kept telling me, oh, Hillary can't win. Nobody likes her. And I said, well, have you ever had Dasani water? Which I hope is not a sponsor of the dojo. We <laughs> have, have no it's sponsors. It's pretty water, and people tend to agree. And I say, but you've all had it because you can't escape it. It's ubiquitous. It's in every drive-through window, hotel mini bar, you know, convenience store. You can't get away from that stuff. Why? Well, Dasani water is the water of the Coca-Cola Company. Of fifteen thousand trucks behind it, putting that water everywhere. So she's Dasani water. You know, right. she's hard to beat because she's got the distribution. And it's kind of unavoidable. Nobody had the muscle to take her on. Nobody had the 15,000 trucks. And on our side, it's an auction to who can appeal to the base and alienate every swing voter in the country, which is a great way to lose.
1: <laughs> well, what has, what has, it seems like Trump now, it seems like his reckless kind of cowboy cavalier attitude that, you know, where, where it was just like, he's speaking from the heart. He's genuine. It seemed to really work for a bit. And then... At Every first. now and then he'd cross the line and he'd start to alienate some people. And now it seems like he's he's assembled a team and he's trying to draw it back a bit and he's going to, quote unquote, act a little bit more presidential. Is it too late for him to to, to to almost take back everything he said where he's turned off some of those swing voters or some of those Democrats that could have come over to the side? Is it too late for him or, or does he still have enough sand in the hourglass to, to kind of repair the damage and get back on track and, and sell himself to people that are undecided?
2: I'll be surprised if he can break out of it. I mean, he's hired some guys and they put him in a, you know, they're trying to civilize him, but it's like the old joke about the, uh, they sent the ambassador to the cannibal king and he sent a note. Thank you. Most productive talks. Send me another ambassador. The last guy was delicious. He's, (laughs) you know, he's Trump. And even though for two days he'll go and, and have good behavior and try some new big words and try to read a speech somebody wrote for him, eventually, you know, he's fundamentally an insult comic, and he'll get up there and do, <laughs> do his material, which is going to be all this name-calling stuff. And he, there's a sliver of the vote it works with. What people miss about Trump, and I call him a zombie candidate because, you know, he moves, he walks, he claws at things, but he's dead, never going to be president. The math is, is pretty clear about that. He's been able to pull about 35 to 40% of the vote in the Republican primaries, which is a specialty vote. It's old, it's white, it's pissed off. So if you're a grievance candidate and you're famous, that's the other thing about Trump. It's just like the movie business, pre-aware titles. You know, Mm -hmm. my wife's a producer in Hollywood. Warner sent her a script for Easy Bake Oven, the movie, because they're thinking, hey, everybody's heard of it. We don't have to spend the advertising money. Same thing in politics. Trump was on TV for 14 years in prime time. And even if it was teaching Gary Busey to work a snow cone machine, same as <laughs> it's still so TV got a Twitter followers. And you add that to the insult thing. He's found a niche, but it's not a niche that'll put him in the white house. And I'm not even sure. I would almost take it. I think it's about 50, 50 that he can beat Cruz in the end. Well, I was so going to ask don't you that Mike, because
0: yet. obviously over the weekend, I think this just happened uh, Sunday night where Cruz and Kasich are now coming together. Can you explain that to our listeners?
2: Yeah, it's kind of it's like a kind of one of these things where they hate each other, but the biggest price, so here here's kind of how this works. You get delegates when you win, you know, in a in a state or a caucus. So the magic number on the Republican side is one thousand two hundred and thirty-seven delegates. That's fifty percent. So Trump's in the eight hundreds now. So we're going to go all the way to California, and New Jersey on June seventh, and then if Trump is at twelve hundred and thirty-seven, he's the nominee. But if he's only at twelve hundred or eleven 1, eighty then after the first ballot most of those delegate bodies can vote for whoever they want they don't have to stick with trump many of them are just old party regulars who vote for wins the primary in the first ballot so they may hate trump but they're obligated to vote for him on the first ballot so Kasich, who's got some of the regulars And Cruz, who has the Christian conservatives, both are praying that Trump comes short of 1237 so it can go to a convention with multiple ballots, and they can each throw their armies into it. So even though they hate each other and would poison each other if allowed to, they agree on the fact that Trump cannot get to 1237. And this Indiana primary, and I know this sounds like such kind of inside crap, but it's important. The Indiana primary coming up here on the, the 3rd of May is going to be a big deal. Cruz is strong in that state. Trump is strong. He's a little ahead. So Kasich made a deal. Why am I going to Indiana to be a spoiler? I'll stay out of it. Hopefully Cruz can beat him because we have the common enemy of Trump. And I'll go to Oregon because I'm, you know, I'm the lefty repub and uh, you know, <laughs> organize the Republicans of Oregon, a small but elite group, and, uh, and try for those delegates. And after we deny Trump that first ballot, then we we'll are fight among ourselves to the death. That's their theory well so I, they've organized
1: it seems like the voters though have become uh, you know in terms of just what i'm reading what i'm seeing on the, on on all the political pundit talk shows and whatnot it seems like this election more than any other one where sanders will win in a state he'll win the the popular vote amongst all the people that are coming out to vote for him, but he'll lose the delegates to Hillary. I forget what state it was, but he got like seven delegates and she got 12, but she lost that state in terms of the vote. And right. if this goes to a contested convention, I think th- the mindset for the general population is, well, if he has the most votes, shouldn't he win? But then it seems like there's this inside track and I think that's where the establishment bell that's being rung by, by Trump is kind of resonating with the general public. Is there, is there gravity towards that, or is it just like, look, this is the process, uh, and this is how it goes?
2: No, there, it, it resonates some. I mean, believe it or not, the two parties are a little different. The Democrats have superdelegates. Who get to vote at the convention without ever being part of any election, and they have a lot of them. So, in the so called earned delegates, the ones that reflect the vote, you know, it's pretty close. Hillary's a little bit ahead. Bernie could have a surge and win California and maybe catch up with her. But most of those super delegates who are like party boss types can vote for whoever they want, and most are aligned with Hillary. Although it's politics, they can change their minds. Now, what's kind of interesting about this is historically, This whole idea of a primary election where you show up and vote in a primary – remember, these are not like – Official elections for like electing a mayor. These are intra party contests to pick the best candidate to run, mm-hmm. who our party thinks we ought to have. And in the old days, it was all bosses, except maybe there'd be a couple primaries so we could see who the best campaigner was. They were like beauty contest primaries so the bosses could see if the horse could run. Now, since 72, really, where there was a revolt in the Democratic Party against the bosses with McGovern. Um, that most of it's direct election by primaries. On the Republican side, we don't have superdelegates, although there, there are some delegates who are not you know, locked by ballot who can do whatever they want, just not as many on the Democratic side. But most people think this is all you know, horseshit. Can I just vote on my cell phone and pick my guy? To be the Republican. Well, it's you know, there, there's a long history here and the rules are the rules. Right. Trump keeps saying, I got the most votes, even if I don't get to 50 percent of the delegates, I should be the nominee. And what party hacks like me say is, hey, wait a minute. That's like saying you're in a you know, basketball game. You got the most cheers, but you didn't you know, get the high right. score. If somebody else put 50 together in a coalition. You lose, pal. Those are the rules. Quit mm-hmm. whining it. Mike,
0: do you think that Trump will hit that number? Do you think he's going to hit it? Or at the end of the day, there's going to be just some differential of of how who's going to get nominated?
2: It's close. I think Trump will probably be a little bit short. I'll know more after Indiana on the third. That's the real big, uh, excuse me, the fifth, no, third. I'm sorry, five, three. But here's another wrinkle to it on the first ballot on the Republican side. There are I think, close to two hundred loose delegates, like the Guam delegation, often elected by the way, in the middle of the night when the lights go off for an hour, and Guam in the room comes back up. Here are our fine delegates. Those guys are unattached, so there are loose delegates so what if, if you 've seen on tv there 's this guy, Paul Manafort in kind of the zoot suit, you know the, the new trump guy right he 's a delegate fixer trump hired and what they're going to do is say, we've got to get to 1237, and through the primaries we're only at 1211. So we're short 25. Manafort, 25 Coupe de villes, 25 briefcases, show up at the convention. You know, right. wheel and deal <laughs> to get us to that first number. And there, so if Trump gets close, you know, 1210, some people think 11, even 1175, he may well be able to deal his way to a first ballot win. I'm a little more pessimistic. I think he's got to get real close or win it outright. If not, on the second ballot, he'll crumble. Um, Because, again, a lot of the people who are voting for Trump on the first ballot are doing so because they're ordered to, not because they personally want Trump. Right.
1: Uh, Can I ask you this? Um, Yeah. Has Sanders – first off, I I would say, who's been the bigger surprise to you between Trump and Sanders? Because when – Clinton announced her candidacy and then Sanders, it's just like nobody had heard of Sanders, nobody, people scoffed at Sanders, and it seems like he's really given her a good run for her money, and then obviously we all know what Trump has done. But who is the bigger surprise between Trump and Sanders in terms of really creating a lightning rod and speaking for a certain sect with Trump with speaking for, you know, everybody on the right and then, you know, the the certain strong sect on the right. And then with Sanders, especially with the youth movement uh, that Sanders has galvanized. Yeah. Who's who's been the bigger surprise between those two?
2: You know, for me, it's been Trump just because I always thought Cruz would have that grassroots energy. I thought he was like our McGovern. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I supported Jeb Bush, and I always thought we'd be in a very tough battle with Cruz because he would have the grassroots votes. Um, Trump surprised me. I mean, I look at like the – the Trump shtick seems so transparently thin and stupid to me. And he looks like Buddy Hackett in a Beetle wig, you know, doing the, and he just like, uh, I thought it would do the comedy reference for you guys. Yeah, but, sure. Um, take it. But, uh, kids, that's somebody from the 60s. Uh,
1: Trust so, me, Gary, Gary will be doing that joke this weekend. <laughs>
2: I did a Suzanne Plachet reference on uh, David Axelrod. If you, if you have any political nerds listening, yeah. has a great podcast, The Ax Files, and I, he's an old friend of mine. We used to run campaigns against each other and then meet for dinner, uh, you know, in governor's races around the country. He, he's wrong on every <laughs> issue, but he's a, a great guy, <laughs> a dear friend. So anyway, I was doing his podcast, and he has this groovy, cool jazz intro music, and I made a Playboy after dark joke and a uh, Suzanne Plachet reference, and the kid working the podcast looked at me, "Who are those people?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, Trump surprised me because I thought he'd be laughed out of it at the beginning. Um, Bernie, I always knew that energy was there against Hillary, but I thought it would be Elizabeth Warren who I thought would beat her, but right. she didn't run, so I was wrong. I'm wrong a lot, wrong about that. And then Bernie picked up the energy, but I thought she would grind him down in the end, mm-hmm. and she has. But there's a risk because Bernie. It's interesting in the Democratic primaries, Bernie has owned the vote under 35. He right. I mean, just owns it. And historically, those are very fickle voters, the younger they get, about whether they show up to vote or not. So if Hillary puts on her trusty Darth Vader helmet and really starts vaporizing him, she's going to win the primary. But she's going to potentially alienate a lot of voters that she really needs to show up and hold their nose for her in the general election. So she's – there's an old Russian proverb, you have to wash the bear without getting its fur wet. And that's kind of <laughs> where, where she is with Bernie. I she's got to kill him, him. without – Turning him in and his voters into an alienated enemy.
1: Yeah, has has Sanders almost done an enormous favor for the Republicans moving towards the general election in terms of exposing a lot of? Well, I, I'm sure that's what happens anyways towards towards the march to general election in any election, but especially in this one in particular. It just seems like the youth movement that Bernie's galvanized. It just seems like. Uh, from a lot of things I read it just seems like they will not vote for her or it will take a lot for them to be swayed to go to the election booth so it'll be interesting yeah. to see if, if voter turnout is there for her in terms of the youth but has he done an enormous favor for the Republicans moving forward or is that just well, part for the course?
2: It's kind of a mixed deal because he's created enthusiasm to bring new voters in who probably aren't going for us uh, on the other hand there's a fault line there that if she alienates them she's in real trouble Our problem is we got either Trump or Cruz, who's, you know, a sitcom Dracula running. And so (laughs) either one of those guys, you know, um, they're enough to push even the most Hillary-hating Sanders voter back to Hillary. So I think, again, this has been an election where the Democrats have such a weak candidate. The Obama economic record is so weak. We really have an opportunity to win despite the, the headwinds our party has had demographically. And instead, the only guy we've got who could win a general election is running now Kasich, can barely get arrested. We, and he's got right. almost no delegates. So unless the convention gets very smart, uh, my heart is broken because I think we're going to hand the damn election to her. So let me
0: ask you something, Mike. It, it, let's say for somebody who knows nothing about politics and – by that person, I mean me. What, <laughs> what 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 are what are some of the biggest differences? Like just overall, like if, if I'm voting, and let's say it's it's Trump and Clinton that that are, are running at the end of the day. What are some of the biggest differences between them that people should note? What 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 are some of the big things that one person stands for, the other one doesn't?
2: What are some of those big things? Well, I would say you know if you look at the left and the right, the the legit philosophical differences. The left looks around and sees a lot of broken stuff and says, let us use the power of government to fix this. Let's get government more into your life. Let's tax more and spend more so we have a department of you know, making your joke work better. And so it's just a more intrusive, social justice way and it sounds pretty good when bernie stands up and says hey free college for everybody you know republicans are kind of nerdy about well, how are we going to pay for that you know we're already right now you could take everybody in america who makes over 350 grand a year and raise their taxes to 110% of what they made so they'd have to give you all their money and borrow more money uh to give you that and you still couldn't pay off the you know the kind of debts we're running so the republicans are they're they're a little more You know, um, individualist, you know, um, get out and and take risk and and let hard work be rewarded. We're going to make you work for your welfare or we'd rather cut taxes. So businesses start up. We're not going to have a department of making your jokes work. You know, you don't get laughs, get a new job. Uh, So it's a it's a smaller government, more free enterprise thing versus a big kind of nanny state approach. And on foreign policy, you know, Hillary's not completely incompetent, but you, you look at some of the, 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 the standing in our world under the foreign policy of Obama and Hillary. She's been secretary of state, and in most places, the bad guys are doing pretty well, and we're in retreat. And when the big, the big metronome beat the U.S., the only superpower is in retreat, there's trouble everywhere. And, uh, and so, you know, it's been a foreign policy of weakness. The Republicans are a little more tough, a little more real politique. We, you know, we've got the Jim Bakers of the world. And, you know, the bad guys know uh, that we're the superpower, not fooling around. So, right. you know, it's a, it's a left-right thing. And then there are the differences within each party between the right and left wing. But I, I would say that's the fundamental.
1: What is your, what is your forecast for this, for this upcoming election? What, what do you see? How, how do you see the dust settling? Uh,
2: I would say this. When the sun rises the morning after the election, my forecast is I will be drunk in the gutter. <laughs> um, because it'll be such a depressing damn election night. It'll be, uh, it'll be pretty bad. Do so you um, see Hillary
1: Hillary w- being unstoppable towards us?
2: You put a gun to my head right now. The numbers say uh, either Trump or Cruz will win and then lose to Hillary. Mm-hmm. We have a majority in the U.S. Senate, which we're fighting. But I think the chances are about one out of three we hold it, two out of three we lose, which is pretty terrible, because one, the left wing would take over the U.S. Senate, uh, which I don't think would be good for America, and we'd lose some good people, and we will hold on to the House, but we will lose some seats. Um, the good news is we have a bit of a renaissance going on of governors. we got some good Republican governors, and that's what we can prove that we're the guys to clean up the mess that, you know, by running such weak candidates in some way we're helping to create. So it, um, I wish I were more pessimistic. But, uh, you know, we will see. I um, I, I like I, – see, I'm a Republican. I like offense. I like scoring in the other guy's end zone. And uh, when we run candidates who don't appeal outside our own party, that's not what happens. And I, I just hate giving an election away. So I'll, right. I'll retreat back to my other life in show business and uh, uh, work on some stuff here.
1: Speaking of which, you know, as we come towards the finish line, I do have to ask you, as someone who is – out and out, very conservative and speaking on behalf of the right wing and also working with a litany of, of you know, all the all stars, I guess, if you consider, you know, John McCain, Schwarzenegger. How long did it take you to learn to spell Schwarzenegger?
2: You know, I'm still not sure I can.
1: Yeah. OK. Um, we didn't, we didn't,
2: that's why we always call him Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you he work was a with lot of fun, by the way. He, uh, he, he, was, a, he that was a fun election, the California recall. Uh, um,
1: I, I do have to ask you this: How, how, you know, you always hear that stigma of it's very difficult once you come out as a conservative in Hollywood. How difficult is it to be somebody who, who you know, beats your chest and lets everybody know yes you are conservative, but you're still working in this industry? Is there a stigma? Is there a stereotype attached to it where people do not want to work with you from your own personal experiences?
2: Generally, with me, when I'm fired, they bring up Sullivan and Son. That to be really... I couldn't resist. And there it is. There it no, is. What, what happened is my, you know, my Hollywood thing, I, I was the media guy in campaigns. i create the TV ads and all that. And I still do a lot of corporate work and, in that world. But I, um, uh, long, when I was working for Arnold, uh, Dennis Miller showed up at one of our events, and the advanced guys had screwed it up. And he and I were, you know, I fixed the problem. We were talking about things so I could make him laugh. So I wound up doing some writing for Dennis. And uh, I could kind of write rant material. Um, and uh, he, he was a great friend and mentor and, and taught me a lot. And that turned into I sold a script to HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm in the middle of writing a movie for him right now. So i just kind of on the side of this writer-producer life. Though most of what I do is I'm either – Pundit, I'm on the speaker racket, which is a great, you know, like Carville and I will be at the boat show, which is it's kind of like being two middle acts, you know, hired to introduce uh, <laughs> uh, boats, but it's it's pretty good dough, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of surprised by it. Tell a joke, make a buck. So I do that. I'm on television some, and my my main thing is uh, corporate advising. But to answer your question, I've never really had anybody in Hollywood. It, it's more like. A Tarzan thing you know my god the ape man can use a fork it's amazing these Republicans <laughs> you think he'll shit on the carpet hopefully not he seems civilized you know it's more of a <laughs> right. wonderment and amazement than any hostility and I have to tell you people here have been very nice to me uh, in Hollywood oh, I haven't really bumped into any any I mean I'd say there are some secret Republicans but three quarters are pretty liberal in there they're professional you know you know how it works if the materials good they're interested
1: right well th- this is my last question we have for you and um, with all the great politicians you've worked with that we all know, you know, the marquee names that even the general public knows, who, who has been your favorite candidate or favorite um, election that you've gotten to work on?
2: You know, tough question because I've been lucky and I've worked, worked for a bunch of good folks. I really like working for Jeb Bush. I did both his governor races, mm-hmm. and he's everything you want in, in politics. Um, McCain 2000 was a lot of fun because McCain had an incredible sense of humor, and he was a troublemaker. So, right. It, it, oh, yeah. Yeah. It. Um, he's the firehouse Dalmatian. You know, here's the bell ringing, heads off to the trouble. He it was always a little mad when we'd like have protesters that a proper brawl never broke out. <laughs> um, and uh, John Angler was an old pro in Michigan. It was just tough as hell and a lot of fun to work with. Um Romney was you know the thing about Romney I did his race for governor in Massachusetts Romney has a terrific self-deprecating sense of humor <laughs> and he kind of he, you're starting to see it in in public now but he's yeah. a wildly funny guy in real life um uh but you know like most of these guys he doesn't want to kind of show it to the public but he he was funny I worked for Bob Dole who was was legitimately hilarious Dole Dole could have been a stand up Oh wow um he was he was fast and 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 funny and um it was always dark, you know. It was always incredibly uh, dark humor about. Um, <laughs> he'd had a hard scrabble life, so right. yeah, I've been lucky. I've, I've been a, be a fly on the wall in quite a few interesting campaigns, and uh, you know, I don't really have any regrets. I, uh, I I've, I've had a good ride, and uh, you know, I can't uh, I can't really complain. So I, I'd say several of those guys were all were all pretty fun.
0: Have you ever met Monica Lewinsky? You know, I. Uh, not that I know of. Not that I know of. I don't know
2: if she's working under another name now. But. Um, no, 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 I haven't. Would you um, sleep with Hillary? You know, my parents are Democrats, so. Um, my mom was a big Hillary supporter, and uh, Hillary mentioned that somewhere. I, I, oh, I don't really? Yeah, yeah. Not just sure. To, you know, torture me, but um, and my wife is a left-wing communist, you know, Hollywood person. So she, <laughs> of course, in fact, we have a little two-year-old daughter, and I came home the other day from a hard day at the Republican salt mine, watching the knucklehead Trump, you know, ruin my party. And there's my daughter gurgling at me in a Hillary baby T-shirt. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, that's great. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so oh, that's I, so I funny. One eight hundred divorce law. You're like the uh, the
0: James Carville and uh, oh, what's her name? They're
2: oh, two- Mary Madeline. You yeah, know, Mary Madeline. We, we, my wife might get along. We don't we don't fight too much. Around. Look, if I wanted to – if I got in arguments about politics with you know in L.A. walking around, I'd never I, I wouldn't get out of my car. You know, <laughs> right. just, I'm, I'm I'm deep in the other. Territory here, but I, you know, the the first thing you learn, and when you do this for a living, and you're on the campaign road and, and doing this stuff, it's kind of a show business of its own, where you're putting on these campaigns, and you know, you're living the road life. You know, you, you learn not to take it too seriously because you get enough of it nine to five. Right. So, um, you know, I don't. Uh, a lot of my good friends are Democratic consultants who have the parallel life I do. We just don't agree on all the issues, but you know, we're living in the same weird holiday and bubble.
1: Well, it couldn't be a more fascinating, exciting election year, and we cannot thank you enough for taking time out to, to talk to us, to uh, recall some of your experiences. And, Murphy, we just love you, and thank you so much. We can't thank you enough, yeah, buddy, for taking for the time out. Yeah, thanks for joining us
2: Anytime, time. Tal. Good to talk. Now, you're sidekicks from Detroit, right? Yeah, that yeah. What part yeah, of me tr- too. What, what part? Uh, two unemployed Detroit guys. Uh, <laughs> I was born on Alter Road on the east side. Sure. And then when we were nine and why is the sky orange, uh, we moved to uh, <laughs> Gross Point Park right there by Verheiden Funeral Hall.
0: I, I grew up in Warren and then went to school at uh, Central Michigan.
2: Oh, my God. There you go. Yeah. Really, yeah my, my, uh, the Murphy's other family are up. From, we're losing all your listeners now, born Detroit. And <laughs> right. Uh, we're from Mount Pleasant. So. Oh, there we go. I love that town. Small world. Small world. Well, all right. Again, buddy, thank, thank
1: you, Mike. you so Having much. Appreciate it, Mike. Mike Murphy, everybody.
0: By the way, the only issue I think you're concerned with, regardless of if it's come. Hillary or Trump, is who's going to raise the minimum wage. That's the issue that affects you. Jesus Christ. Is it not? Unbelievable. Is it not? Unbelievable. Steve, is it not? Well we barely that's it. we rarely talk politics here on the well, I don't think we ever do. We're we're more about talking about Atari games and TMZ. So that was a deep one for us. Well, you looking for a phone? <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> we played this before. <laughs> of another
1: gentleman's dojo. With air
0: supply. Yeah, Songs we got to end it. Ended. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a
1: crazy world out there.
0: Don't forget, we'll be at Gotham this weekend in New York City. Friday night two shows, Saturday night three shows.
1: Yes. We, we keep talking about doing this live show. We are going we have to. to do the live show. We so have to. We're not going to do it next week, but we're going to let everyone know. Guys, are you listening? Do you enjoy the dojo? Write a review for us on iTunes, okay? Keep up with us at Canon Comedy, at Steve Byrne Live. We love you. Thank you.